This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know that feeling when you have something that's really been bothering you, or when you've been fixating on something in your life that's looming large in your mind? We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big and small, and I think we inherently know that when we keep them bottled up inside, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for people who have experienced major trauma. There are plenty of benefits it can have for everyone. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. And don't underestimate the power of boundaries either. Those are super important. If you've been wondering if you should give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's a fully online experience and designed from the ground up to be convenient and customizable to your schedule. To get started, you just have to fill out a brief questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash filmdaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash filmdaily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer and box office analyst, Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? All right, Ryan, let's spend the first half of the show talking about some box office stuff, and then we will transition into some film news after that. So the big story, obviously, is The Marvels, the new Marvel Studios movie, which unfortunately did not perform very well at the box office. It is, in fact, a historic low for the MCU in terms of opening weekends. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, we talked a bit about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, when we were talking about potential predictions and stuff. Um so short of it is uh, the Marvels fell way short of expectations. It opened to $46.1 million domestically. And even like that's even lower than the weekend estimates had it at like $47 million, So it dropped even a bit more when the actuals came in. Um, just for some historical context, the previous record holder for the lowest debut in the MCU was uh, The Incredible Hulk, which was way back in 2008. That opened to $55 million, which was significantly more and that's unadjusted for inflation we should also mention and mm-hmm. then you uh, above that was ant-man at 57 million then you have a pretty big jump to captain america the first avenger at 65 million dollars and um all of those movies were significantly cheaper uh because the marvels has a budget said to be between 220 and 250 million dollars um the international box office isn't helping matters here uh at all as it debuted to 62.8 million dollars and that includes china so there's really no like help waiting in reserve here. So it, uh, so you have a let's say a 220 million dollar movie optimistically that opened to 109 million dollars worldwide. Um, not exactly, you know, not exactly favorable numbers. Yeah, and you know we talked a lot about the movie yesterday in depth in a spoiler conversation on the podcast. And Jacob mentioned that we were going to be writing an article about how. Folks should not be blaming uh, co-writer and director Nia DaCosta for this. And I've linked to that article in today's show notes. So if you didn't get a chance to read that, I would recommend clicking over there and checking that out. Um, But yeah, I just want to underline, like, this is not necessarily her fault. Like, clearly the movie was cut in such a way that, you know, she didn't have the full control over, you know, this is not exactly her vision. Uh, This is the the Kevin Feige and company show as usual. And um, yeah, they just kind of missed with this one for whatever reason. I mean, you actually wrote an article about like the box office was even worse than expected. What the heck happened? Um, can you tell me, you know, you don't have to to run through every single thing that you wrote in that article, but was there one observation that you made in there that you think could point to a reason why this movie did not perform the way that, that folks thought it might or hoped it would? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I also think to the point about Nia DaCosta, look, she did her job. Like she came in, she was hired to do a job and she did it. And let's be clear. It's not like this is like a situation where like the reviews are disastrous. It's got like a 60 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but like the audience score is much higher. I've seen nothing but positivity in my social feeds. So like she did her job. Like what, you know, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? But like, um, I think it's very evident that uh, the fatigue is starting to catch up with the MCU here. We've only had two major superhero movies this year. If you don't count Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem that have not bombed this year, you know, everything else, the three DC movies and now two MCU movies have, have uh, at least disappointed, if not bombed. And, uh, I and think then you got what, like, uh, across the spider verse, which did well, right across the spider verse and guardians three. And, okay. and those yep. felt more like events or building on things, you know, that people, so I don't know. Um, but, but I think in this case, you're looking at a, a movie that, like, again, I, I brought this up before, wasn't Captain Marvel 2, was not very clearly sequel to billion dollar movie, but then also, like, required you to watch two MCU shows. Yeah. You're coming off of stuff like Secret Invasion, which was very much not loved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't know. You're. Just, I think that the, the, and I think the other thing is, like, the, you're almost starting to see, like, a Last Jedi type problem with the MCU right now, where, like, I think there's people that like stuff that's coming out, but nobody can agree on what the good stuff is anymore. And mm-hmm. like, uh, like, so I think that like, I loved Eternals. A bunch of people didn't, um, a bunch, some people loved, uh, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Other people didn't. And so like, I think you're starting to see like, no, no, there's still good Marvel stuff, but nobody can agree on what it is anymore. Whereas, yeah. That's interesting. Was, like, whereas like before there was kind of a consensus. Um, hmm. so I, so I think that, you know, and that just signals that there's too much stuff. So hopefully they can scale back a little bit hit the reset button a little bit, which next year there's only one MCU movie coming out uh, with Deadpool three. Cause everything else has been delayed. So hopefully yeah. that ends up being a good thing, but for starters yeah, right now, n- not looking great. That's a fascinating idea. Like nobody can agree on what the good Marvel stuff is anymore. And like in a, in a perfect world, an ideal scenario, that would be good. I think to me that, that nobody can agree on that stuff because it would mean that Marvel is taking more choices and like taking more creative risks and doing more interesting things that maybe don't connect with like every single part of the four quadrant, you know, sphere that they're going for or whatever. Um, But I think the, yeah, just like, obviously, as we've talked about ad nauseum, the the quality control has been a big problem for them in in recent years. So, but I think like, Um, that's what Eternals was to me, but it clearly wasn't that to other people. So, you know, like, you know, it's like, but, but, uh, but yeah, so I think that to me, if there's one and only one thing, like people no longer view superhero movies as automatically essential viewing. And, uh, and I think that that is the, like, whereas Guardians 3, like there seemed to be a pretty general consensus like i don't know i don't i haven't talked to anyone that like hated that movie Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like i think that like it it, it's not that hard to follow the bouncing ball when you see the stuff that's succeeding versus the stuff that's not so uh that that's my take yeah and you know i think they're like so far in with the tv stuff that they can't really abandon that as part of their strategy because they need that as like a pillar to help support disney plus but also maybe this movie indicates that you can't really lean on the idea of everyone having seen, you know, multiple shows or whatever to be able to follow what's going on in the movies. Yeah. So like that puts them in a pretty tough spot in terms of like, how do you approach telling this large story creatively over, you know, across these two different mediums and like, what should the crossover be? That's going to be a really, really tricky balance for them to strike. Well, and I, forward. but I think that moving forward, we've already heard, 
pretty credible reports that Wonder Man, that show might not go forward. Um, you know, Echo's just getting to, I think they're already sort of cleaning house with the TV side of things. And I think that like even some of the shows we have coming up, like I think um, Agatha Coven of Chaos or whatever they're calling mm-hmm. it now, it's hard to see that connecting too much to a bunch of bigger stuff. So that's I true. Think hope, I think hopefully we're sort of behind that. Some of those bigger shows that are meant to connect to a bunch of stuff are behind us. And that maybe that that will be the thing going forward. That would be my hope because like, you know, we're like that's more optional viewing. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think like Ironheart was another one that was mentioned, another show that that p- could potentially happen. And that kind of thinking about it from the outside in, obviously, I have no idea what they're they're planning to do with it story wise. But it seems like you could just sort of burrow deeper into the world of Wakanda and that kind of thing, and like actually have it be you know a character exploration and like um, you know sort of hanging out in that corner of the world without necessarily. Uh, triggering consequences and events that then have to spill out into other things. It could just be like more like traditional TV of like, oh, I'm going to hang out and watch, you know, these people that I enjoy watching or whatever. And maybe they yeah. What's weird is Ironheart has already been finished filming for months. Oh, like yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's the weirdest part about Ironheart is that like that's the one show that's like, and I and I re- and I shared it in our Slack a while ago, but like there 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 was some weird filing that someone got a hold of that disney put out like and it looks like ironheart might not come out till 2025 wow like, despite okay. still so i don't know i don't know that that has been far from confirmed but it would be interesting if that proves to be the case so but anyway so yeah okay so um one other article that you wrote that we don't really have to go into now is that uh this box office weekend um, for the marvels points to a major problem in hollywood and it's not just marvel that's sort of suffering from this which is the idea that movies are too expensive and this has been you know something that you've talked about a lot on the podcast and and in your writing at slash film ryan um i was just curious like you know if you had a potential solve to this, uh, this idea, because like COVID related issues, you know, insurance premiums and things like that have made movies more expensive. Um, but is there anything that you can think of that these studios can do to bring the costs down a little bit while still re- remaining competitive in the marketplace? Yeah. Look, if I have a crusade in this life, this is it. Um, like <laughs> it, it's, it's, but I, but I, 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 I've, I just look to what other movies have accomplished. You know, like, you know, Blue Beetle cost $100 million. And I don't know that your recent Marvel movies look 100 to $150 million more impressive than Blue Beetle. You know, like, I'm not saying that, like, obviously, I'm not saying make them for $100 million or less. I'm saying you can make them for 150 That's a lot different than 220 You know, that changes your box office prospects dramatically for what the movie has to make. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, and then I look at like on the extreme end, like what Gareth Edwards did with the creator. I'm not saying I liked the creator. I didn't love the creator, but like it looked phenomenal. And he made that movie for 80 million Mm dollars. You know, so like so I think but the idea is I don't make movies. I don't look at balance sheets. I don't understand this stuff. But I look at what other people have been able to accomplish. And my understanding is that a lot of that is like committing to things. Ridley Scott comes in under budget all the time. He storyboards meticulously and he knows exactly what he's going to do. And we've heard a lot about the Marvel process and it isn't that. It's a lot of like run and gun, which sounds expensive to me, like quite frankly. So, so, you know, I think that process has to change a bit. And I think that Disney would be foolish to to not try to look at that. So that's me. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think the idea of like committing to a vision and sticking to it and like whether that means... Um, taking more time to develop the scripts earlier on in the process before you start filming and and try to you know rapidly put the track down right before the train goes over it or whatever like 
I, I know that maybe it's naive to assume that Hollywood will sort of change their ways in a grand scale in, in terms of like not announcing, you know, planting flags on release dates in the future and then like racing to meet them or whatever. Like I'm trying to be reasonable and realistic about what might happen here. But I, I do think that, yeah, if, the, if filmmakers are able to actually commit to a vision and stay that way and not uh, be constantly rejiggering things um, until the last minute, that will certainly help with the costs and it will help on the load of the VFX folks who have been overworked. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the crunch that they've experienced and all that. Um, it's just hard because Marvel Studios has kind of built their entire empire on that, that like run and gun way of, of making movies. So it's like, y- there are so many movies to point to that are massive box office uh, successes that were made under this sort of like chaotic way of, of making movies where like, reshoots you know drastically change things at the last possible second or whatever and it, it sort of flies in the face of that idea of committing to a story and, and telling it well um but uh but yeah i think that would be like a way to to help bring the the costs down of all this stuff so who knows whether or not that will actually happen um so uh, i i don't really think there were too many other big box office stories this past weekend because all these other movies kind of cleared out in terms yeah. of um, you know, yeah, making room for what they thought the Marvels might do. Um, there is a Hunger Games movie that is coming out this weekend, and you wrote an article about how, you know, whether or not that can recapture the YA box office magic uh, for Lionsgate that they had with the original. Um, so I'll just link to that in the show notes and people can check that out. But uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about some film news. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so I wanted to give a quick update on the strike. Um, last time we talked, the actor strike had ended, but we had not seen the uh, specifics from the deal. And as of now, the board has a- approved the agreement and sent it off to the members to be ratified. And, um, you know, we have a little bit more information. It's still like kind of uh, gibberish to me, like going over contract language and some of the stuff still like flies over my head. But um, there, ha- there have been like meaningful gains made in this contract language for especially for like the folks who you know like background actors i used to be a background actor at, at one point when i first moved out to la um and now it seems like the the floor has been raised for background actors i think they're going to be making uh, the largest minimum increase of any member of sag after i think they're they're going to be uh getting like an 11 percent bump in in their minimums um and i think it's something like seven percent for other actors so that's that's great news for like the you know the kind of people that you don't really think about when uh, you think about major actors or, or the you know the acting profession as a whole, which is kind of like who this whole strike was for is like the middle class working actor who wants to just make a career out of being you know a a person on a TV show instead of Tom Cruise or Scarlett Johansson or whatever. So um, I just wanted to point that out, and then also like the AI stuff has just been so. You know, th- that's been a, a cornerstone of what's been going on uh, and and the fight between the guild and the studios. And uh, there's an uh, 
an interview at deadline with Duncan Crabtree Ireland, who is one of the lead negotiators for SAG, where he talked a little bit about AI. And I'll link to that in the show notes if people want to know more details. Um, But also, I just wanted to mention that uh, Justine Bateman, I don't know if you saw this, Ryan. She's like a writer, director, producer, actor. Uh, She's Jason Bateman's sister. She's been in the industry for a long, long time. And she's like an AI expert. I think she was like on the board, like um, uh, helping to... Um, make recommendations and stuff to the guild for in terms of AI. But she has been saying basically like this deal that SAG has this, this contract that uh, everyone is hoping is going to be ratified. She's saying like, this doesn't go far enough to protect folks from the potential evils of generative AI and, and how the studios might be able to sort of get around uh, some of the language here. Like she's basically saying the language is not strong enough to give people true protections that, um, that will like genuinely uh, fully protect them from, um, yeah, being able to just sort of like give these studios a way to like loop around and, and, um, still do some shady stuff with, e- with AI. So, uh, I, I don't have an answer for this. I just wanted to bring that up, um, in case people are, are curious about it. Um, I'll link to another article where, uh, it sort of lays out her, uh, her case against why people should, should, uh, basically she's saying people should not ratify this, um, this contract, which is like, Man, that's that's asking a lot because folks already went on strike for 118 days, and then the idea of people not ratifying this and then going back to the negotiating table and saying like, "Okay, let's make another deal or something," that just seems like not the the best outcome from this situation. But I don't know. Maybe uh, the AI stuff is like truly that bad, and maybe it would be worse for them to to ratify this contract as it is. I don't know. Uh, so just something to keep an eye on. We'll have to, to track that as uh, more developments unfold. Um, did you see any of that conversation happening at all, Ryan? Or is that just... Yeah, a little bit of it. It, it kind of gave me a headache uh, for yeah. <laughs> sure. Just because like... Just probably yeah, by mean, design, it, honestly. Um, you know, but anyway. Well, I, I meant more the idea that like, oh my God, like the, the idea of them not ratifying the contract, the idea of like the strike is over. Wait, hold on. You know, yeah. like, and, and yeah, I don't know. Um at this point, I honestly think they're just going to move forward with it, and and maybe maybe that ends up being a source of regret for <laughs> I, I you know, but I I, I don't know. I, I at this point, I think that like I'm writing a thing for us right now that like I mean I don't think people realize how how screwed the first half of next year already is. Yeah. Um. So you know, and and for a, a box office industry that's still very much in recovery mode and for all these other things, I, I, I don't know what's better for the long-term health of the industry. I truly don't. Yeah. My hope is that, you know, the, this is um, this contract, if it is ratified only last three years or maybe even like two and a half by the time you retroactively apply it to when they went on strike. Um, so hopefully the AI stuff won't um, move forward in a, in a, such a dramatic way in the next two and a half years that studios will actually be implementing like the worst case scenarios by that point. And maybe the SAG after folks will just be able to actually negotiate for better protections in the next round of negotiations. So anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, I wanted to briefly mention that James Cameron is finally releasing the abyss, a special edition remastered 4k version in theaters this December, this has been a movie that people have been clamoring for for years. Uh, I've actually never seen The Abyss because I've heard that you know there, there's been whispers for a long time that Cameron was working on getting a, a cleaner, better version out there. And so I'm glad that I've held off because I'm, I'm really hoping to be able to see this in the theater. I think it's a one night only thing. On it December is a one 6th. night only thing. Yep. Yeah. One night um, only. 
I mean, I assume that this means that a a 4K uh, home, you know, physical release or whatever is is imminent. Um, There's although no we don't question. have any. Yeah, we don't have any uh, dates or any any information about that yet. But, um, but wait, so you've never seen the abyss? I've never seen the abyss. Yeah, yeah, just straight up missed it when in my earlier days, and then like as soon as I you know was going through Cameron's filmography, and that's how long this this uh, idea has been around. Is like even I want to say it was like ten plus years ago that that there were talks that like oh he's doing something with the abyss or he wants to do something with the abyss so i was just like oh i'll just hold off and it's just been this long well that, we all know james happened. cameron works really fast you know so <laughs> that's, that's true that's the, um no i that's crazy i i will go out on a really bold limb here and say that this is james cameron's most underrated movie um Ooh, I, I don't okay. know i don't know how bold that is because i guess a lot of his movies are rated pretty highly but but i'll go but i'll say that uh, I know I haven't seen it for a while because I have like the best I have is like a, a special edition DVD I got at a pawn shop. But I <laughs> so I'm really excited to to see this. And uh, that's going to be a good week because I see Godzilla minus one the week before. The, oh, man. Looking forward to nice. that week. Um, yeah. Uh, well, no. I, but so uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very happy. This is fine. More more than anything, I'm happy that I hope this means we're getting like a 4K release, like packed with stuff, like hopefully like a commentary and and you know, all uh, like, you know, uh, uh, special features and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's what's coming and that's what I hope. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. So, okay. So the last story that we wanted to mention on today's show, Ryan, we got an email saying, is there any way that coyote versus Acme can be saved? You guys made some good points in your previous podcast episode about it. Even a bomb can get $30 million. Honestly, if the internet fans could get Zack Snyder some cash to make justice league, uh, surely fans could get this over the line. And that was from Ronnie from Australia. And I have some good news for you, Ronnie, or potentially good news, which is that after <laughs> the uh, Coyote versus Acme debacle just like completely ripped the the internet uh, asunder and people just completely, you know, like went nuts. I mean, just listen to the podcast episode that Jacob and I did about this earlier. Um, Warner Brothers has reversed course on this and they've said that Dave Green, the director of this movie, will be allowed to shop this film to other distributors. Um, which Ryan, I think when the original word came down that this film, uh, which stars John Cena and is about, I think it's like a, a law comedy about, uh, the coyote suing the Acme corporation, the, the company that, uh, he's constantly using, you know, buying their products to try to capture the Roadrunner and like they blow up on him. Um, I, I think I saw you, your, your initial reaction was like, why can't another studio buy this? And Warner Brothers at the time was just like, we're just going to take a $30 million write down for this, even though this movie costs $70 million to make. It apparently tested really well. Um, you know, all these filmmakers were coming out of the woodwork to say how great it was. And uh, you were just like up in arms about like, why the hell wouldn't Warner Brothers, who, you know, is in a lot of debt as a company, why wouldn't they try to take some money from another company to do this? And then now it seems like that's exactly what they're going to try to do. I mean, assuming that somebody makes a a, a valid offer for it. So what do you think about this? Well, look, I think the difference is like, and we'll never know, but like the di- like when Batgirl happened, it was like, and I have since heard like, yeah, the movie was not good. That's what I've heard. I will never know, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, you even know, like, I, um, what's his name? Peter Safran, the, the co-head of DC, like, explicitly said this movie is not releasable. Um, yeah, so. and like, and like, look, uh, 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 so I don't, I don't know. I'll never know. But like, what was fascinating about this is everyone was like, 
this is a good, not like a, people were effusive about how good this movie is. And, and not only that, you have John Cena, who is one of the biggest actors in the world right now, which is still crazy to say. And James Gunn, who is your co-head of DC Studios, is an active producer on this movie. Yeah, and he I wrote believe the screenplay, he, I think. Yeah, and I believe he gets a story credit on the screenplay. So, like, are you trying to upset those people? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like this, so I don't, you know, look, I, I, I'm not, like, the Batgirl thing sucked and I'm not, advocating but i'm saying that like if you must find a rationale for it i do sort of understand like look dc is an important brand for us blah 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 but like you haven't done anything big with the looney tunes in a long time and apparently this movie is awesome so like i i just failed to understand like this one shocked me is like why on earth would you not just sell this damn thing especially yeah. when they have like batman stuff going to prime video and like you're licensing stuff elsewhere sell the damn movie like you'll yeah. get more than 30 million for it. Someone will pay you 40, 50 for it, you know? Yeah. And, and so if like, you're, you're better off taking the cash and keeping the creators happy than you are taking a tax rate down on this one. So this one, I w- I'm not saying I'm defending the previous ones, but this one was like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like the, like the, the, this one was genuinely like, I, you know, it, especially because it's so short sighted because you do this again no one wants to go make movies for you. And even there was that Hollywood Reporter article that like people started canceling meetings with Warner Brothers. Like yeah, filmmakers yeah. were caught because they're like, hell no. You know, like, because why would you, right? You spend three years making a movie and they're just going to shelve it. Like if there's even a chance of that happening. Yeah, so, totally bonkers. And I'm glad that you mentioned that report because, you know, we were talking, Jacob and I, about like what the potential fallout might be in the community. And like if we would ever actually hear anything about that and yeah it's nice to hear that filmmakers were like all right i've got a meeting on the books with warner brothers no yank that from the calendar i'm not doing that i'm not talking to these people and hopefully zaslav and and his regime uh you know maybe that that actually put some pressure on them to to reverse course here because it's so rare right and i cannot underscore enough how rare it is for a major company like this to do an about face on any decision it just makes them look like they don't know what they're doing. It makes them look weak or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's all these like business terms and like, you know, strategic ideas that people subscribe to. I'm glad to be clear. I'm glad that they're doing it. It's obviously the correct move. Like it, it makes sense from a bunch of different angles, but I'm just saying historically people have been so um, stubborn and hard nosed and just like, I, I will, you know, I've made this decision. I'm committing. I'm digging my heels in. I will not uh, show any sign of, being influenceable or whatever and so it's just so so rare to see even a public outcry like the one that we saw in the the aftermath of this initial announcement for that to actually work and and for a a major major hollywood studio like this to be like okay we were wrong and let's do something different so and i um, think the other dumb thing they did was like by doing this everyone knows they were willing to let it go completely they knew they know the figure of the tax write down so yep. like, so I probably imagine they soften the market. Like, so like anyone that knows that that's going to be in the running to buy this, they sort of know what the target number is. Like, whereas yeah. I think Warner Brothers probably could have got more money for it if they, and it would have looked good. They would, it would have looked like a smart business decision. Like, Hey, you know, we feel like, you know, this movie, you know, we we're, we're open to licensing content. This makes sense for us, blah, blah, blah. You know, like you could have just made this look smart or at least like reasonable rather than what mm-hmm. you did. And you're probably yeah. going to make less money for it. Because now Netflix knows, like, well, you were going to take a $30 million write-down, so if I give you $50 million cash, 
Yeah. You know, I don't know. And yeah, I, that, so I, I, yeah, 50 million is not as much as the 70 million it cost you to make this thing initially, but like, yeah, exactly. They, they, so they kind of that's shot what I see is like the stupidest part of this whole thing is all they did was soften their own market for a thing that they could have <laughs> sold for more money. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope that somebody swoops in, whether it be, yeah, whoever, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, whoever, somebody with maybe some deep pockets, um, because I feel like there's like a real hero narrative to be held there or to be had there about like this company, uh, you know, came in and saved this movie that otherwise would have just been consigned to the dustbin of history. And like the, the positive uh, PR might be worth however many million extra millions or whatever it is um, to be known as the company that that saved this film. And also, um, you know, the the Looney Tunes and, and John Cena and Will Forte is in this as well. Like there's some recognizable faces in this. And so I think it, it would help drive some uh, traffic and attention to whatever streaming service ultimately comes along and picks this up. Or I guess technically like another studio could pick this well, up. Well, I've heard know. Paramount and Universal are the front runners. That's what I've really? heard. So okay. Interesting. What'll be, what'll be really funny. And like, this is, uh, I'm not the one who said this, but like other people on uh, uh, the internet have been like, it's going to be really funny if like Universal picks this up and like, and turns it into a hit, like, like, and, and you know, like a theatrical hit. And that will be yeah. like, I'm, I'm praying for that. I would really hope. Yeah, I hope that happens. Um, okay. All right. Th I think that's going to do it for uh, today's show. You can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on the show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.